Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Oh, hello. <laughs> are, are we keeping you up? <laughs> I had a long day today. You, oh, you went driving. I did. I, I have a... The company's down in Waynefleet, down in uh, near St. Catharines. Oh, I know where Waynefleet is. Yeah, so it's hard to get something sp- like a garage heater, an infrared garage heater maintained by the local furnace people. Because well, last time I had somebody over there, well, I could look at it. <laughs> okay, sure, take a look. I can look at it too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see, look, it's right there. And and also, I had because I moved recently. It's been installed, so it's not even attached. So the guy can't even test fire it. So. So I took it back to the guys who made it. <laughs> and so while I was there, I wandered around. I, Me and my friend Barb, who was the best man at my wedding, we uh, we did uh, walked around uh, Niagara Falls and stuff, looked at the falls and whatnot, went for a cream barbecue lunch. It was nice. And then I drove all the way back, two and a half hour drive, two hour drive. And uh, so it's been a long day. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I sound like Tuesday at my house. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you haven't seen it, but... There's a vehicle out front of your house with a with a with a radiant heater furnace on the roof in front of your house. On the roof? On the roof. <laughs> oh, is it covered? Uh, the uh, the uh, delicate parts are covered with a industrial garbage bag and canvas. It'll keep your garage nice and warm. It's forty thousand BTU. Oh, yeah, just it's like eight and a half nine feet long. Excuse me while I just send Tracy a text. <laughs> See if Ariana's well, available to help steal something. There's probably other people out there right now stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> if they know what it is. Yeah, what is that? Is it, well, if it was garbage day, the guy that travels the neighborhood looking for scrap oh, metal. Oh, scrap. Ooh, you're lucky it's not garbage day, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're just throwing that out with a perfectly yeah. good car. <laughs> You also had a long uh, week last week. You weren't here. I did. So I extended, or we, the family, extended our long weekend Thanksgiving. And because we, we keep doing, uh, we last couple of years we've been doing Thanksgiving and going camping. Especially during COVID, can't get together with family, so go camping. And uh, we've done it a few times before that too. And uh, so we've been uh, going last I think we've been to Sandbanks now. I think this was a sixth time. And uh, every time we go, we discover something new and amazing. Like there's so many trails and so much to see. There's different beaches here and there. And the beaches, the sand is like talcum powder. But it's a, it's weird. So sand is sand, right? But it's not all sand is like all the other sand. This stuff is fine like talcum powder, but heavy. Oh, so yeah? when you kick it, it immediately falls. It doesn't fluff. And it's not large grain. It's very small grain. So it's beautiful sand, nice to walk in, fun to walk in, hard to climb up hills in. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we uh, we went further into the dunes than we ever have before. Lot found lots of people wandering around out there. It's like, oh, I hope they're not Aimlessly. lost. Yeah, <laughs> aimlessly wandering around the dunes. With their camels. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we, we've discovered a lot of biking trails, so we did a lot of biking. And so it was nice. It was uh we we chose so we debated bringing the canoe and and I thought you know it's it's cold and and so we we had contemplated either the, the our stand up paddleboard or a canoe and in the end we said you know what it's uh we're we're, ex- we're expecting lower than normal seasonal temperatures or typical ten years ago and uh, so we decided you know just bring the bring the bicycles and we were out in the bikes almost every day cool 
Except for Thursday. It rained. It was a nice rain, though. Well, if you can go for a week and only get one day of rain. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are the bugs? So, there were bugs, but it was weird. It's like, do you know the spring bugs that hatch? Or the, I guess I've seen them in late fall, too. So, we we saw them in around lights, but we didn't get bit at all. But they were just this, like, darn bugs are constantly around. But they're tiny, tiny little things, and they were not biting. So, I can't complain about that. No, as long as you're not yeah. getting bit and not mm-hmm. flying in your face. Yeah. And and beer just cooled naturally out. It didn't have to put it on ice, although we did put it on ice. Thanks for that uh, cooler, but that, the leaky cooler. The leaky cooler keeps yeah. the ice in. but Keeps the ice in and lets the water release. Yeah. Just lets the water <laughs> soak right through. <laughs> I don't know where it leaks from, but. <laughs> it's the stitching. We I filled it the other day right to the brim. And so it will leak until it's about uh, one-fifth full, and below one-fifth it stops leaking. So either it's not enough water pressure to leak out, or it leaks at about the six-inch level. <laughs> so. Yeah, because that was a nice puddle I had in the back of my truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, it worked well. But I did not pawn it off on you without you knowing. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it leaked. I knew it leaked. And the problem is, is like, of course, you can't you can't put ice in it in the back of a vehicle. Like your truck was fine. You know, you're getting water back there, but it's a truck. Yeah. But I couldn't put it in my uh, my, my SUV because then it's like, uh oh, <laughs> water damage. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it was it was awesome. The weather was great. It was uh, what what. Uh, so yeah, almost every other time I've been to Sandbanks, it's been summer or Thanksgiving. Previously, it's been uh, it's been really warm. So you know you're walking the dunes, you're sweating your butt off, and and uh, so this year it was nice. We just hiked around, and it was comfy, and it was it was really really nice. So the we got down to the main beaches. We did a lot of walks amongst the little campgrounds that are all closed for the season, and you know going around goes ooh. Write that number down. I like that campsite. Oh, we do that. <laughs> if we're going to a place where we car camp, yeah. drive around and check them all out. That one, write that we number do, we down. We do that with winter camping as well. <laughs> like if we go yeah. to Mew, yeah. we'll go up there and go, oh, that's a good site for winter camping. That's a good site for winter camping. So <laughs> oh, write yeah, those numbers yeah. down, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, we have lists like Rastool and Darlington and Mew Lake. And it's like, oh, this, this site, this site. So write it down, make a note. <laughs> so yeah. And... Fall colors were in full swing. So when we got there, the colors were in full swing, but it was windy all week. And yeah. uh, and uh, so towards the end of the week, it was like uh, the, the like the kids were making piles of leaves and weren't jumping in it because it's hard ground, but they were jumping into their feet into it. But uh, yeah, there's, all the leaves were collected. It was campsite was cleared by that first of the week. By the end of the week, it had a nice layer of beautiful leaves on the ground, and so it was pretty cool. But at least you got up there to see all the colors. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, so we were, we were in and around the area. We did some driving in and around the area just because we were like, we were, we did, we did, went quite far and wide outside the park, inside the park. We were traipsing through the woods and we, we did, we were hunting for giant puffball mushrooms. We talked about it on a previous yeah. episode. We talked about uh, the uh, recipes that I had, but it's like you go through the forest and it is dry. Like the dirt, and the ground is cracking. It's okay. so dry. So mushrooms aren't growing. It ah. was, yeah, it was. Uh, it was very disappointing. So it was. Uh, it was just. It, it's just too. And so we got a lot of rain Wednesday night, Thursday, and Thursday night. So I'm thinking, right about now, there's some puffball mushrooms growing. Some people are around <laughs> that area going. Yeah, Ooh. there you go. <laughs> 
So most people don't even know about it because, you know, you mo- they just often, use them as footballs. Exactly. Oftentimes you see them smashed and crushed, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so we, we got to see that. So, yeah, we, and, you know, there wasn't, we didn't see a lot of wildlife and stuff. We didn't do any paddling. We, we didn't do a lot of stuff, but what we did was fantastic. Like the, love the hiking trails there. Forest. You know, sometimes it's just nice to get out of the city mm-hmm. with the family yep. and yeah, exactly. sit around, do campfires. <clears throat> and Yeah. So we've you know. always been, Siobhan said she's been in outlet campground there, uh, but me, every time I've gone with a family, we've always been in uh, woodlands. That's just the one we always go to. But uh, so in, on one of the hikes we did, we uh, we wandered down the trails, found a side trail, went through the side trail, and and we wandered into oh it had to be almost an acre of garbage spread out, but the garbage was fifty plus years old. Really? Yeah. It's like like, it's, like you're talking house garbage or uh, yes. So somebody likes ketchup back then. There's these old glass stop sign shaped uh, um, uh, ketchup bottles. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, what are the pots with the, uh, the ceramic glass on the outside? What are they called? Pyrex? No. Metal inside. Metal they chip. inside. Yeah. They, you know, they chip. They're, uh, camping pots and camping mugs. The ceramic and, stuff? Yeah. You know, there's like a stuff on the outside. I don't know what it's called. I'm at a loss for words. I've had injuries. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to get another one. <laughs> but, you know, you, you like, well... The Paddling Adventures Radio Cup. What's that? Enameled. Enameled. Yes. So we found all these enameled pots and cups and teapots and this, that, the other thing, and found a really old, old stove. Uh, found a, like, looks like the trunk of a 1940s uh, car. It was, but it's like spread for, it's like, it was a big open garbage pit. And so it's obviously before the park was formed, like in the 50s And this or is in 40s. the park? Yeah, it's right there in the Woodlands Campground, right on the edge of it. So you, odd. So it's almost right at the border of the park. It's in the forest. It's off the beaten track. You like we found this trail. This it's a heavily walked trail, but uh, you kind of as you pass by, it's like, oh, is that a rusty can? So we wandered oh, off the trail, and we're looking around. And it's like this is a big garbage pit. But what it kind was of old stove. Like it was a wood stove. No, or, uh, it was an old electric stove. It was, and so it was that, uh, like the canvas covered wire, and it ooh. was, it was really old. You could tell by the old switches on it. It was, and it was very small. Uh, but it was like, wow, this. I don't know what. Oh, I did take a picture of the label. I I, I meant to look it up because I, I found a label on the back of the manufacturer and stuff. But yeah, so it was. It was just really cool to pick through all the garbage, right? To see stuff that, uh, like, yes, it's a garbage pit. It was before the park, so it's not like somebody's littering the park. So it's it's somebody's old farm before the park took it over, right? Because what, the park, we read it on a sign. They said the year that they, uh, <clears throat> the park started to expand. So it was in in the 70s that they started buying up and expanding the park's borders and buying some of the old lodges and Lakeshore Lodge and Lakefront Lodge and this lodge and that lodge. There's a bunch of old lodges there from from the 1800s. 
you could see pictures of people go there to sandbanks in the, in, in, in the summer and they'd go camping and they'd have supper. And then after supper, they get dressed in their, their finest and walk the boardwalks and walk the, really? and, and so you, there's pictures of them all dressed up in suits and fancy dresses. They'd be, it's their way of socializing. It's like, there's no TV, there's no whatever. so it's like you walked in all prim and proper and chatted with your fellow campers and mm. there's little cottages there. And it was, it's really cool. Like the, to see era. the pictures, obviously all the buildings are gone everything is either burned or torn down and stuff but it was uh, it's really interesting we're just discovering so much every time we go back so it was really fascinating so the uh, so yeah lots of hikes so the, I, I think <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of a highlight and I, I well I, I think maybe it's weird but uh, the highlight for me one of the highlights for me is finding that garbage dump I just there's fascinating some of the garbage that was there at what point does a garbage dump become an archaeological find? That's a very good question. Right? Some of the stuff there was very old. I found a really old shell oil can. Like really old. But see, shell that's antique. Correct. That would be an antique. But so it's got to be a bit. I don't know. What would you call Like archaeology is the. I, I don't think. think I don't think years. there's an era for archaeology to take place because. Or like when it comes to archaeology, like they have them on site. Any dig in any construction project in like London, England or in England, you have to have somebody on staff for anything you find in in Greece and in uh, London and wherever you go. Some of these older, older cities, like because anything you build, like there was a, I saw a picture there one time and they were they were building McDonald's. And they found an old Roman road. Mm-hmm. And so they built, they preserved the road and they preserved it. And by and so the McDonald's still went in, but it went on stilts and legs. And then a good portion of the floor of the McDonald's is glass. So mm-hmm. as you walk through the McDonald's, you can look down and see the old Roman road. Okay, just because we're taking a total different tangent here. Yeah. I was watching a TV show the other night and when they were clearing the debris from the Twin Towers. Yeah. They found an old sailing ship oh. underneath it all. Landfill. No. No, no. That's why what, I shouldn't say landfill. So they did the same things, you know, uh, Water Street in Toronto. Mm-hmm. That's called Water Street because that used to be a shoreline. So yeah, well, and that's the what they shoreline this keeps is. walking out, and yeah. so they take stuff and they just—it's it, there used to be a dock here. They just let the boat sink. They don't need the boat anymore. Fill it with dirt. So all of these artifacts are now buried for time, and now they become yeah. the basements of buildings. Well, and this ship was from the Revolutionary War. Cool, right? When when the U.S. wanted to split from yeah. England. Right, so it's like that far back, mm-hmm. but they had no idea it was there. Is, is that's that's the island of Manhattan. So that yeah. so that that island has expanded greatly. Big time. Over yeah, time. they're they're showing maps from it originally mm-hmm. to what it is yeah. now, sort yeah. of thing. And yeah, this is like two hundred feet from mm-hmm. where the shore actually is yeah. now. How are you getting a ship this big? <laughs> but that leaves the question: When they first started building the twin towers, yeah. Somebody had to have seen it and said, okay, we're just going to cover this over. So no one. Either that or, so the, they, when you build like that, you, the, they would, back in the day, these days, you have to clear it down to the bedrock. Mm-hmm. But back in those days, they just had to send down pylons 
that had to touch the bedrock. They didn't have to excavate all the extra dirt. So well, it, they, I'm thinking the, they didn't. <laughs> no, they just drilled down these giant concrete posts, metal and concrete posts, and and so large portions of the dirt were never removed. Mm-hmm. So so that's, that was pretty interesting. But yeah, mm-hmm. the, the whole junkyard versus yeah yeah what, antiques yeah. versus archaeology. as they say, one person's junk is another person's treasure. Yeah. But yeah, it was that. But I think that would be my because I found it exciting. The the age, like it was, like cans and bottles. Like I, I I'm not good with dating stuff like that. I'm not. Uh, I don't have a good mind for antiquing. But uh, that stove was pretty darn old, and uh, some of the other stuff was. It looked really, really old, right? Mm-hmm. So like you see. Uh, See some old, there was old medicine bottles, like, it's just like, wow, I don't think they've used medicine bottle like this in a very long time, right? Well, that's when you're in Algonquin and you come across some of the old logging camps from a hundred and some years mm-hmm. ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's still pretty cool to yeah. to see, you know, oh, yeah, that's their old yeah. garbage sites and, oh, there's some of their old stuff, mm-hmm. like their old beds and, you know, stuff there. And I was up in camping, we were camping in... Uh, uh, Lady Evelyn, smooth water, and uh, one of the routes we were on, we uh, we were just sitting around camp around the fire, and I don't know, I was looking at the ground, I kicked my foot, what's that? Pick it up, a 1905 King's Head penny. Hmm. And it's like, I doubt somebody got there in the, like 10 years ago, and oh, I dropped my lucky penny. No, that probably came from... Clearly, it did not come from pre nineteen oh five. So I, I can I can say definitively <laughs> that it, it is it. Nobody dropped before nineteen oh five, but sometime after nineteen oh five, somebody dropped somebody that penny, dropped that penny on that campsite, and you found it, <laughs> and I found it, <laughs> and I lost again. It's in my house somewhere. Yeah, I've got, I got it's in a, a bowl of coins really somewhere upstairs yeah. as well. So. So that was cool, just to think to yourself, hey, well, you know, it kind of proves that people have been through these trails of these campsites for a very long time. Like, mm-hmm. it's unlikely natives would be dropping coins, right? So it'd, it'd be campers of some sort. And, and a 1905 King's Head Penny, which would it was rather large. And so it's just like, well, like somebody was traveling through there. Maybe it was logging. Who knows? You right? never know. Or maybe it was somebody in the... Around 1910, 1915, who knows? I was out for a camping trip and lost, dropped their penny. That penny, in that day, a penny would be like a you know, dollar nowadays or something. Yeah. So that was a lot of money. Yeah. So all in all, you had a good trip. It was it was kids, good. Kids it was good. Themselves yeah, and- it was. Uh, and like I said, so the wind blew all the leaves off the trees. So we, for the first uh, first bike ride we did, we uh, oh it was when we went the day we arrived. So we we arrived, went to get wood, and uh, that's another story too. Anyways, the day we arrived, went got wood, then we pulled uh, went across the road, went to the beach, and it was really windy that day. And uh, there must have been thirty, maybe forty um, kite surfers. Really? Everywhere. So there's the guys that uh, they carry the in their hand these large inflatable kites. And oh, they, yeah. We've talked so, about those. So yeah. they have those ones. But most of them were the ones where the kites are, you know, off 50, 100 feet and... off their, above their heads, right? Tied yeah. to their waist. And so they were everywhere. So uh, mainly at the outlet campground, there was at least 25 down there. And then the further down the other end, or I guess west, there was uh, fewer and fewer of them. But it, So they're all basically in one corner. And they're just everywhere. It was like, it, it was like, they're so odd. How do they not run into each other? 
right? Yeah, <laughs> and that would be my big thing about that if I was doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Coming through. Sorry. On my way. Sorry. My Good bad. Luck. Good luck, everybody. Oops. I'm turning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so when we did arrive, we stopped. There was a, this, uh, this uh, people who sell wood. Uh, the vendor, they so they you know they have fresh vegetables and stuff. It was just outside the gate, so it's a four corners outside Sandbanks, and so a large operation. We ended up buying a few things from them, but you know how much is your wood? It's uh, twelve dollars. Like oh, that's a lot. Pricey. Of, that's pricey for wood. Okay, well, I don't know what they got inside, but uh, I said, are you guys competitive? Our wood is two years dried. That doesn't answer my question, but I'll buy four bags. So I bought four bags. Then we went to the park store, and they said, oh, it's postseason, you have to go to the woodlot. So we went to the woodlot, and we bought four bags at the woodlot. I said, okay, I'm going to take four bags. And uh, what a difference. So we're used to having bad wood with Ontario parks. So the the, the vendors outside, it, the bag was stuffed to the gills. It's the fullest bags I've ever seen. And inside the park same green bags but the bags were three quarters full and the wood was uh it looked like it had been submerged for the first year and then dried for another year so it was uh it was like think of it like balsa wood Mm. it was there was a lot of missing wood because it was it looked like it had been submerged it was blackened and some of them had little tiny mushrooms. You on got it. definitely end of season wood. So it's well, it's not well, yeah, but it's it's uh, it, they weren't it wasn't properly dried. It was like it, it looked like it had been submerged. Like it's like they found logs at the bottom of the lake, pulled them up, dried them, chopped them up, and split them. It's like and so what a difference because like the first night the fir- we used the parks wood first, and night one those four bags were gone. It just vaporized in the fire pit. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is wrong? And then, then the other four bags lost the rest of the week. <laughs> but at least the park wood did catch fire. It did. It was very dry. Like in but the it positives. Was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was super light because it, it was like super dry. It, it was strangely super dry. But you see at one point it was very wet. And it dried like it just went poof. It's like, oh, geez, I got to add some more wood to the fire. It's like almost gone. And like I just put wood on half an hour ago. So first night, all those four bags just vaporized. It just it was bad wood, and uh, so the the bags outside were full, heavy, dry, and looked a very very clean, very clean wood. And the stuff inside was seven fifty a bag, and it was just dry ex punky wood. Sometimes you get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, what what are you gonna do, right? Yeah. So it's uh, but yeah, I thought it was funny that they uh, they were right outside the gate. <laughs> they knew. They knew. People yeah, be going, yeah, oh, yeah, we're yeah. going to hit those people up tomorrow. Yeah, I like that wood. Yeah, I'm getting it there next time, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> awesome. Sounds like you yeah, had a good time. It was an awesome trip. It was really good. Kids have fun all the time, right? Like Beckett loves playing in the sand. He, he loves sandbanks because he can drop down anywhere and play in the sand, right? Yeah. He has a blast. He, uh, he, I don't know, like Stella reads the whole time and Beckett just finds Lego or something and goes dragging his feet through dirt and it's like stop kicking the dirt you're getting dirt on all of us what i didn't know what's the point of it <laughs> yeah there's and such he goes a- back home to his buddies and goes stop <laughs> kicking dirt all over everybody <laughs> there's such a big difference between boys and girls it's amazing yes <laughs> i'm sure i was the same way 
Not us. No. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my trip. It was pretty fantastic. Good. Good to hear it. Uh, to get back on the archaeology kick oh. for a second, remember we were talking about those canoes in Wisconsin? Oh, yes. Dakota? Yes. That they found the 3,000-year-old canoe mm-hmm. and whatnot. We had mentioned, I bet you, yeah. that the water has risen so much that you got to think that the village had to be there somewhere. If they found that many canoes in a small area, mm-hmm. and now, well, that was our theory: is they were they were close to each other. So you yeah. think of the village has got to be nearby, right? It's got to be, yeah. And they were quite a ways out into the lake, so oh, two hundred feet. So three. It's so just trying to wrap your head around that number. Three thousand years ago. So three thousand years. This is Roman years, times, yeah. Right. And the other one was what twelve hundred years old. Yeah, yeah. So you figure the lake, yeah, it's easy enough to raise 200 feet. Yeah, exactly. Like, you right? know, different changes in climate, uh, you know, it's beavers work. And, you know, when a lake starts to fill in and its banks grow because of mm-hmm. it's building, making its own dirt, it's so it's its own base platform grows and the water level rises naturally because the ground is rising as, you know, trees and grass rots and fills and makes yeah, more so dirt. Yeah, so it makes sense yeah, that the exactly. shore could be 200 feet back where it was before. Yep, yep. So apparently we're not the only ones that think that. Mm-hmm. So the archaeologists uh, are waiting for winter and the ice. And once the ice hits, they're okay. going to go out on top and use ground-penetrating radar well, because a- it'll go through the ice, it'll go through the yeah. water, and it'll go through the sediment because they're even thinking that there's a you bury there. your boats near your village. Mm-hmm. And since the two boats are there, there's got to be a village. There's got to be a village somewhere. In and there. more boats probably. And that's what they're going to find out. Well, that's fascinating. So come maybe the new year, I guess. Yeah. We maybe hear that, ooh, guess what? Yeah. There's promising. We'll and then to. come spring, mm-hmm. if there is stuff they're finding, then they're going to be down there taking I'll, a peek. I'll have to set up, find the right words. i have to set up a uh, one of those auto Google search terms. Mm-hmm. Be interesting ooh. to uh, find out. Yeah. Uh, this is what you'd find, eh? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it'd be really cool to that. Would be to see a proper archaeological dig. Yeah, yeah. Well, not, they wouldn't be antiquing. Dig. No, no. <laughs> that would be um, well. It'd be an archaeological it, swim and dig. Yeah. So that's the problem. Because it's underwater. You can't do a proper archaeological. Well, it depends dig. what they find. Right? If they find enough, they might coffer dam it, yeah. drain it. Well, that would be my thing: is do some sort of coffer dam mm-hmm. thing and. And um, circle it off. Yeah. Like I say, it's only 200 feet out, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's that's doable, I think. Hmm. And again, I mean, it's because of the, if it's a, it's some sort of native settlement going back 3,000 years. Right. You're going to want to see. And it's not just this one canoe from 3,000 years ago. It's like one from 3,000, one from 1,200. Yeah. So just, the, just think of the, the that many centuries of... Of people living mm-hmm. and using that area, and so, so back in the day when, so the natives in this area were they they weren't migratory; they were stable year round. They had their winter camps and their summer camps. So the Algonquins would move closer down towards Lake Ontario, summer back up into into the Algonquins areas. So it's they're somewhat migratory, but. Not, but this is Wisconsin too, right? Yeah, so. this is Wisconsin. So Wisconsin is higher. Up than not us. much though. They're about the same latitude as Algonquin Park. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So chances are they they might have just overwintered because there a lot of them were agricultural based, right? They were hunted, but they also planted. Yeah. Like you know, wild wild rice and stuff like that. Be hmm. interesting. It would be very interesting to really see what they find under there. Like a lot of the stuff would be wood based, so a lot of that would be gone. So well, you might recognize canoes, but uh, anything else you find would be you'd be recognizing fire pits, yeah, and stuff like that. And any tools and yeah, stuff fire like pit that. tools. And so it'll be interesting to see when they ra- drag that radar over if they're going to see foundations of stuff yeah. or hmm. you know, I mean, if if a wood canoe is still there, then maybe some wood buildings or something. Yeah, you know, some sort of structures. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, have to keep a, an eye out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing I found, mm-hmm. packgoats.com. <laughs> yes, we found that just before we started recording. How did you come I've, across that? I've seen things over the last <laughs> week with people using goats, like pack horses. Yeah. yeah. But goats. Yeah. And I'm thinking. They're easy to handle. They're friendly. on solo trips. Ones. Yeah. I could take a pack goat instead of a dog. So if you're on a solo trip, yeah. Solo trip, you make a little bit more room for them. You can take out the front seat, throw down a nice uh, foamy bed for them to lay on or they could stand on it. It's just, but if you get it, I mean, if you and I were going on a trip, you're looking at like a couple hundred pounds for a person. Yeah, yeah. Well, you take that couple hundred pound person out, throw in a couple hundred pound goat, <laughs> they can carry up to like 50 to 60 pounds. Yeah, yeah. The only, re- and they can go at uh, 19... Kilometers, twelve miles a day. Yeah. Well, if you're only going to use them on portages, yeah, <laughs> they're lounging, lounging, chewing their cud in the canoe, <laughs> and then you get them out, you load them up, you throw the canoe on, and off you go down the the portage. <laughs> do goats ruminate the same way cows do? I have no idea. Like I know goats, right? <laughs> I'm the one that went. You know, the goats sit there going, bah, or whatever goats say. <laughs> that was accurate. Is that what they sheep, say? Goat, yep, sheep, goat, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I'm looking at it. So yeah, they can carry like 25 to 30 percent of their body weight in gear. Yeah. So if they're carrying like a 50 pound pack, <laughs> then you've got a light pack in the canoe. You're yeah. single carrying. Mm-hmm. They browse for their food wherever you're going. You make sure it's you're going in an area where there's food for them available. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they got the long horns. Yeah. So if a bear comes into your sight, there's two of you against yeah. the bear. Yeah, the goat would just headbutt the bear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get those horns going, you know. Yeah. If not, it's been nice knowing you goat. Yeah. Um, and I had asked, well, why do you feed them? Do they carry their own food? Because Mike's dog carries its own food. Yeah. Pretty heavy pack, actually. Mm-hmm. But it turns out these guys don't have to carry their own food. No, they just browse through the leaves yeah. and grasses and stuff like that. Growing up, we had cows, horses, goats, everything like that. And uh, the goats just wandered through the bush and chewed bark off trees, mostly ate leaves and grass. They'd eat weeds, you name it. It was You always knew when they got into the burdocks or into the alders because the milk would taste awful. Oh, fresh milk for your coffee in the morning. There you go. Oh, gee, there's another benefit. It doesn't spoil. See? The goat keeps your milk fresh. (laughs) Hey, Nelly, come over here. Got my coffee going. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Thanks, man, or girl. (laughs) Right? Yeah, fresh milk. So I've been looking at dogs, and I mean, some of these dogs are, you know, six to, 
anywhere well fi- anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars for a dog. Yeah, a fully trained goat is ready to go. Pack a full load for about two hundred to three hundred and fifty bucks. Hmm. That's cheaper than a dog. I know. Keep it in your backyard. And most time you go to a, most time you go to a shelter and pick up a dog for free, pretty much. Not anymore. Well, you pay for the, the for the the fixing, spaying, neutering, whatever you call it. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're not not cheap. So it's like a, they yeah, used it's to be. A, it is a token amount. It's like you know, I, don't, I think adoption is like two hundred bucks or something. I think for an older dog is like two sixty. Puppies are like five hundred. Wow! At yeah. a at a at a rescue. Yep. Wow. Oh no no! These are the shelters rescues. Yeah. Oh, this dog is a thousand because we flew it in from Turkey. No, I'm talking about a rescue. Yeah, there's a difference between shelters and rescues. I know. The shelters are the cheap ones now. Oh. A rescue, like yeah. you're going down the street and you're filling out those applications for a rescue dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're not cheap. Huh. They're more expensive than a shelter. It's ridiculous. And then they bitch and moan that, well, we can't get rid of these dogs. Yeah, you're charging me $1,000 for a dog. <laughs> yeah. Of course you're not getting rid of it. And then the questionnaire is, well, yeah. don't get me started on that again. <laughs> Uh, there is, oh, I can't find it now. Uh, it was the Alberta, um, organization for, uh, North American Pack Goat Association. There's such a thing as a mm, pack yeah. goat association. This is a thing. <laughs> like, so my thing is, could you imagine... Two guys standing on the river, watching boats go down the rapids. Yeah, yeah, and they're casting, and all of a sudden doing, they're some casting doing some fishing, and all of a sudden this boat comes zipping through the rapids with a goat <laughs> in the front. One dude looks at the other and goes, "You saw that, right? <laughs> did, did you? Did they use that? Uh, it? Wasn't just me. You saw that too, right? You saw that, right? And if if you saw that, just know the guy in the back was me because I'm seriously looking at getting a goat." A we pack got, goat. We gotta let uh, Marion Sontag, like Marion and Haley, they do the uh, oh the Cloche, the Cloche Trail in Killarney. Can you imagine doing the Cloche Trail and and oh, because you're a fifty pound pack on your goat, and you exactly. don't need to carry anything because you're ultralight pack. packing anyways. You're not carrying any weight right? when you're hiking, so you just hike the and little it's Cloche all stone trail and, and stuff. Yeah. Perfect. The, the, the goats, the goats can climb would love that. it. <laughs> all you do is you're climbing, and again, somebody's sitting there enjoying the view, and you walk by with your goat. <laughs> Clopping you, along. You saw that, right? <laughs> it's not just the weed I'm up here smoking, yeah. right? Uh, did yeah. you see a goat go by? <laughs> so now you got to think, well, I, I only do like half a dozen or eight trips a year. What do I do with the goat the rest of the time? Well, I guess he could be a house pet. He could be a house pet. Yeah. Because people do train them in the house. Yep. House train them. Right? They get a mm-hmm. big litter box. Uh, in the winter, you get it like a big dog jacket sort of thing. Yeah. They can and wander around outside you, with a you, big. You can yeah. take them on your hiking trips in the winter. Like a pony. Your winter camping A sweater trips. for a pony. Like the pony, yeah. the horse yeah. blanket but for ponies. You could take them on your winter camping yeah. trips. <laughs> if you had two, they could pull your sled. <laughs> Right? Well, I mean, one could probably pull your sled, yeah, yeah. but so, you get two so, of them. So you pull up alongside a dog sled team and, hey. Hey, buddy. How's your runs today? Yeah. Well, could you imagine 12 goats against 12 dogs? <laughs> and they're racing on. Like, what do you say? A dude pulls up with a goat. Yeah. Hey, uh, okay. <laughs> nice. Goat? 
I remember having this conversation with, uh, I think there was, uh, so there was Jim, there was Paddlin, um, um, the ra- the rabbits, the rabbits. Yeah, yeah, we talked about the rabbits. Well, that was because we were at the Quiet Adventure Symposium. Yeah, so we're talking about all those. So you get all those giant, those giant rabbit things. Yeah. What are they called? Uh, the um, something giant. Uh, giant Fleming. Giant Fleming rabbits. Yeah. So you get a. You get a team of twelve giant Fleming rabbits. See, the thing is, is it's like herding cats. Rabbits would be the same. How do you control them? Right? Yeah, but now we've moved on to goats. <laughs> yes, rabbits are passe. Goats, goats now. are awesome. <laughs> yeah, rabbits are passe. Goats Think of are, the past. Yeah, goats are the new are, thing. Yeah, goats are it now. <laughs> They're there. The new it animal. Yeah, pack goats. Yeah. You know, bylaw officer comes to your house. It's like um, you can't have, uh, can't have, uh, <laughs> you can't have what? What is it? Uh, stock animals or whatever? You can't have stock animals in your backyard. Oh no! This is my service animal. This is my service. Yeah, my animal. therapy goat. <laughs> my therapy goat. <laughs> he sleeps. He sleeps in the living room. <laughs> and what are you going to say if you go into work with your goat? You can't say no. It's my therapy goat. It's, this is going to be awesome. Goat. Because you and apparently they're good. They're smart as dogs. They'll come when you call them because they'll know their name. Yeah, they're very intelligent animals. Yes, yeah. We always had goats growing up. But I mean, if you're doing like, well, and we talked about the Dixon Bonfield Portage. Yeah, you could set up a business. Yes, there. you could. You could. So some of some of those bigger ones, you you keep a couple goats at each end, and so people, everybody's crossing the Dixon Bonfield, and some people are taking the <laughs> the goats north, some people are taking the goats south. <laughs> so yeah, it, it all works out. See, <laughs> but I mean, if you're, if they say, oh yeah, they'll carry this much weight. You know, they'll go for for nineteen kilometers, twelve miles a day. Yeah. Well, if you're only doing tops of a, 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 a kilometer portage yeah that's you know, easy the goat can like do you that. throw it on yeah. there you throw your small pack on in the canoe and yeah. off you go yeah and then you get to the end lickety split you're not yeah. having to you single portage everything <laughs> like dude this is a stroke of brilliance i'm telling you solo trippers need a goat yeah. a pack goat yeah a pack guard goat so the goat would would uh, headbutt any bears or large animals that get in your way. They're not going to eat your food. No, they're not, they're not interested. They want to be near you. Because unlike in cartoons, they don't eat tin cans and they, no, but they, they will do, eat your furniture and your so shoes. So the thing is, they do. That is a that is a warning. Like they do chew. They like to chew on stuff. It's like a, a dog that likes to chew stuff. It's so you're going to lose a few shoes. You're going to lose the arm of your favorite chair and and stuff like that. But you know you have to accept that. It's like when you go in, it's like I know I'm going to lose some stuff, but it's fine. Yes. So <laughs> in the next couple of years, when the number of uh, Pack goats on canoe trips expands. <laughs> yeah. You remember, you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here first. <laughs> going to start up the, would it be, a Ontario Backcountry Goating, Goat, Goat Pack. Portaging. Goat Pack Association. Pack Goat, yeah. Ontario Backcountry pack pack Canoe goat. Pack Goats. we, we got to get an acronym. I'm going to work on it. Keep going. I'm going to work on an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fat Bear Week. Let's move on to that one yes. here. Because we're, we're <laughs> Fat Bear Week just happened. Uh, for those that don't know, we talk about it every year. The bears at Katmai National Park in Alaska spend all summer and fall eating and gaining weight in preparation for winter. During Fat Bear Week, the website shows, uh, which is uh, explore.org, uh, they show the biggest bears, and during a week they match the bears up in a bracket-style so elimination. I, the early season pictures are usually, what, July, August, yeah. when they're at their thinnest? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the end of them are in September, October. Yeah. Uh, by the end of there are only two bears left, and one of those bears is crowned champion of Fat Bear Week. Yeah. 
It's uh, it's just like the uh, hockey pool, hockey pool, or the you know the 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 uh, the, the you know the, the, you see the any team sport they come down to the final two. Yeah, yeah. So this year it came down to Bear seven four seven and Bear nine oh one. Yeah. Some bears have actual names like Otis and yeah, yeah. and Gloria yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, some are just numbers. With a vote of 68,105 to 56,876, Bear 747 claimed his second crown. Mm-hmm. He'd won it in 2020, but yeah. Otis won it back in 2021. Otis has won it four times out of eight. Yes. Because this, this is the eighth one. Uh, 747 nearly didn't make it to the final because of an unprecedented <laughs> case of voter fraud yes. in the semifinals. Somebody was stuffing ballots and they caught yeah, they, they, caught spammed, they spammed the Fat Bear Week poll, but yeah. uh, the was officials this? were able to see, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, something's not right wait here. Wait a minute. fixed it. 15,000 votes came in from one person. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, no, they figured that out and uh, the proper winner was... Uh, Crowned. Was, was declared, was crowned the each, fattest of bears. Each bear consumes around 500 pounds of salmon Ugh. from the park's Brooks River mm-hmm. during this time. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff they really... Go to explore.org and look up the Fat Bear Week. Yeah. 747, an exceptionally large animal. He was first identified uh, back in 2004 and has since become one of the largest brown bears on earth. <laughs> he hunts for salmon almost every day in the Brooks River between late June and early September. You see pictures of him in October? He is massive. massive. Yeah. Like he's his legs disappear. His belly hangs so low that he's kind of waddling because his belly is hanging by his ankles. Now, I'm thinking Bear 901 may have... I'm thinking this is kind of a thing of a steroids maybe. <laughs> That's the other. She's cheating. a younger female. That's the other cheating scandal, <laughs> and has never won Fat Bear Week. But her growth this year has been rather noticeable. Okay, hmm. <laughs> she may also be expecting her first litter of cubs in the winter. Ah, there you go. And this may have been. They say this may have been a motivator for her to gain as much weight as possible. Yeah. So I don't know if um, she should be disqualified or not. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. You know, people. Uh, they say for athletes, it's a uh, if you have a baby, just be, like within a year of going to the Olympics or something, it gives you an unnatural edge. Mm-hmm. But they can't discriminate against it for competitions because it's it's natural. Your body, yeah. you, you you can use oxygen better. You, you're stronger. You when you bounce back from a pregnancy, it's you just become stronger. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Bear 747, on a job well done. <laughs> yes. Lots of food. Uh, hot potato this week. Yes. The Ontario Parks Reservations oh, yeah. are making changes. <clears throat> now, of course, the last couple of years, the big deal has been uh, the reservation fees for backcountry and stuff like that, yeah. which is, um, you know, flat fees for the site, which... If you're a group of four camping, that's awesome. If you're a solo camper, you're being screwed. Well, this year, the mm, Ontario Parks, they sent out a letter this week, an email. Uh, They put stuff on the website. Ontario Parks says it's cutting the maximum length of stay at several provincial campgrounds next summer amid a surge of demand. Starting in 2023, the maximum length a group can stay at some of the busiest camp uh, Ontario Parks will be reduced from 23 nights to seven 
or 14 between Canada Day and Labor Day. That's July 1st and September 4th. New rules do not apply to backcountry. Yes. This is drive-in campgrounds. So this is driving in, which a lot of people do do the Mm drive-in and then spend their days canoeing all day. Yeah. Uh, most of the parks will have 14-day limit between those dates, while some will continue to allow the current 23-day maximum, which will be in effect for all parks outside of the summer. So anything outside of before Labor Day or, or after Labor Day and before Canada Day will be all will be 23. Mm-hmm. So the number of reservations increased from 4.3 million in 2014 to over 6.6 million in 2021. A lot more people use the parks, especially after COVID. After COVID, yeah. 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 For those who want to enjoy longer camping periods next summer, Ontario Parks suggests visiting the parks that allow 23-day reservations. There you go. Now, the big thing was uh, people were booking 23 days the minute they can, because what is it, five months in advance you can Five book. months in advance. So they booked their 23 days but to make only, sure they get their but spot. But they only wanted the last week. And they just want the last week or two. Yeah. So then it gets closer to dates. They cancel the yeah. first two weeks, and they still have those last two weeks. And, and Which is a bit of dirty pool. Loophole. It is dirty pool, and I think, uh, I think if you find, I, I'm I'm just going to go on a limb and say this, but uh, anybody who complains about this new system are probably the people who are gaming the system that way. Mm-hmm. Because the majority, I have, I went through a lot of the comments on these stores, and uh, a lot of the people are saying, "Awesome, so this is a great yeah. thing." You know what? I like it because it's only what five parks. That are seven days. Yes. Not many people take more than two weeks holiday. Yeah. So the majority of them. So there's five parks, Algonquin, Bon Echo, Kilbear, Pinery, and Sandbanks, which mm-hmm. are very busy <clears throat> very parks. Busy. They're yes. the, like the most popular. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe that um, Killarney's not on here. But it's, anyway. It's a northern park. It's, so those five, yeah. maximum seven days. Mm-hmm. 63 parks, you can go for 14 days. Yeah. The following 24 are 23, Mm -hmm. right? So 92 total parks. There's only five that you can go for seven days. Yeah. When you start breaking down the numbers here, Mm -hmm. yeah, Algonquin's really popular. Bon Echo, Kilbear. I've never been able to get into Kilbear. Yeah. So I don't even look any. Pinery and Sandbanks, good luck. I don't know how (laughs) Mike gets in there all the time. Yeah, you Um, have to get in early. You have to be at the five-month mark and hope for the best. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's just those five, and they're too busy it's anyway, the, yeah, so I'm not, not going to those I ones I know, anymore. it's not a problem, right? You know, and, and I mean, well, I shouldn't say I'm not going to those. I'm not car camping at those ones. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going backcountry. Uh, this change was was announced, like I say, they sent out a, a, an email to park users saying, with reservations on the rise, it has become more difficult for people to make reservations at some of our busier parks. Reducing the maximum length of stay at select parks will provide more people with a chance to camp and experience Ontario parks. Yeah. Over the last two years, demand for campsites in Ontario have increased drastically. Some experts attribute this to the public health measures put in place during the pandemic, which was what we all say, Mm -hmm. in which residents were urged to stay home except for essential reasons. That's what we've all said. Sites at, scar- at campgrounds started to fill up months earlier than normal. Some campers even started mass booking sites only to cancel or reschedule them at a later date. And residents noted some of these permits were being resold on sites like Kijiji. Yes. Which then became a big deal where if you found that you were doing this, 
Not only did you lose your money, yes, but the person you sold it to. So they were would requiring when you arrived to register that the name on the, the name the person registering had to be the same person that bought it on the that that the name is on the ticket. Yeah. Uh, August 2021, Ministry of Environment, Conservation and Parks vowed to clamp down on campers reselling sites for profit because that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the only people that are going to get dinged or anybody that wants to go to the five most popular parks. Yeah, it's just those people. And so, so I think most people do a single week. There's not too many people that do double weeks. And I, I did see comments from people who say, you know, hey, I'm retired now. I do this. I do go yeah. for two weeks. And I do prefer, you know, the Highway 60 corridor parks, this, that, the other thing. So, yeah, there's going to be some people that are genuinely. there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There, there's no pleasing 100% of the yeah. people. So, yeah, it, it's going to hurt some people. Yeah. But uh, I think it'll keep a lot of stuff in track. Like, I don't know how many times. I've gone because I, I, I have a RV, right? So we do RV camping, the family and the kids. And so we go on normal years outside of COVID. We would, we would go like, you know, in June, in July, in mm-hmm. August, in September. And, uh, and often we would get into a campsite and, uh, and it's booked. Like you're looking ahead. Sometimes we book at the last minute. We just, we just wait. Okay. We're going to go for this weekend. We just find anything. So we just do a, a blanket thing over southern so the southern Ontario parks. And it's like, hey, we're going to go to Ferris or we're going to go to wherever. And we get there and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah we're, this, is, this campsite must have canceled this morning. It's available. Let's do it. And so when we get to the park, we wander around after supper and check things out. And it's like, yeah, this thing's only about 60, 70% full. Yeah. It was... 100% booked. I got like one campsite that somebody just canceled this week. Yeah. And it said it was full. And part of this is going to get this is I yeah. going to get rid of some of that. Yeah, because it, you know, if you go to a campground and it's a it's a long weekend or it's a nice weather weekend, it, you wouldn't think that you'd find a quarter of all campsites empty with nobody on it. Yeah. So if this has got to be a cause, this is what I think they're trying to fix. It's exactly get the get the people out more yeah. that if, want it, and then yeah. finding out well we can't go because we can't get anything. Well, yeah. yeah, things are not actually booked. Yeah, you know, I, I booked two weeks so I could get in ahead of the five month window, and but I didn't need that first week, so I didn't go. And yeah, I'm not getting my money back, so yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. But in this whole thing, everybody's so focused on that. Ontario Parks also introduced two other features to allow customers more opportunity to camp and enjoy Ontario Parks, availability notifications and similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Availability notifications. This feature offers customers the ability to sign up for an email notification should a campsite that meets the requirements become available at their desired park. The feature monitors availability and sends customers an instant email notification of newly available sites. I don't, Which is cool. I don't know if I like that. Why? Well, because our favorite thing to do is like me and Siobhan are like texting back and forth. And she like, I found a site at Ferris. And it's like, I found one at Emily. And so it's like the Thursday or Friday. We we know we're going. We just don't know where. And we're leaving 48 hours. So we start, you know, we start looking at around Tuesday or Wednesday and just waiting for a cancellation. And, well, uh, this will send you an email, so you don't just have to look. But it's going to send everybody else an email, too. Anybody not if signs you're up fast for it. enough. <laughs> so get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> There's the similar experiences notifications. Okay. Offers customers alternate parks when their first choice is full. Wait, what? 
How does this that work? feature will increase customer awareness of other provincial parks and provide alternative during your desired time frame. So, so if, if you're trying to get in Algonquin Park and you can't get from this day to this day, yeah. they'll go, well, not far from Algonquin Park is this other park. Yeah. And you can have site this, that, the other for oh. the same time period. Huh. Or, hey, if you want to travel a bit farther north, mm-hmm. you can get this park. For that but, time period. But the search function, when you... So, if you don't search for a specific park... But pe- it, most people do, though. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, see, I yeah. do I do the map function. I You do all of Ontario parks, and you say what you want, but you don't specify a park. You just say Ontario, and you go by map. And then, boom, it pops up, and there's almost always green in northern parks. Yeah. Just because not that many people are going that far. But anymore. not as many people, yeah. Yeah. People don't want to go that far. Yeah, yeah. And so, and all the locals up there are doing something different, right? Yeah. But so, what you what I do look for is like if there's a green in in southeast Ontario, it's like you know it's going to be Ferris, there's going to be sandbags, there's going to be whatever, right? And so we just look for the green dot, click on the green dot, just drill down into the into the park and find the different whatever, right? Yeah. So I think you're still going to be able to do that. Yeah, you can still but do that. I but think it sounds like this automatic function is basically doing what I already do. <laughs> Sorry for taking your fun away. <laughs> I'm just saying it's just a different function. There's, there's the doing, Derek function. They're doing it for you, and I, I think so. Obviously, there. If I'm looking for Ferris, and I'm saying oh, I want Ferris, I want Ferris, I want Ferris, and they say, "Well, Emily has this site available," right? Yeah, because they're or they can all of a sudden get an email going, "Hey, on these, you wanted these dates, <clears throat> something just came up at Ferris." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you pop on and go. Bloop, bloop, yeah, all right. I, want it. I want it. Got it. So yeah, I I I think this is going to benefit a lot of people. Get a lot more people into those five parks mm-hmm. they wanted to get into. Yeah. Um, I think once they get into this, yeah, like I say, five. I don't know very many people that book more than two weeks on a camping trip. Yeah, it, 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 like I don't know how anybody who can. So I think it's just the people that want to yeah. go to that those five parks yeah. are going to get really pissy with this. Mm-hmm. So, we'll find out. Oh, this is a family show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like no one's ever swore on this show before. Just Alan. Hey, Alan, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> um, here's something you brought up. It's not really, again, it's a bit controversial. It's not really paddling. It's rowing. Oh, <laughs> did I mention this? I didn't mention this one. You did? You sent me a link on this. Oh, I did, didn't <gasps> I? Oh, yeah. you did. Do you not want to talk yeah. about it now? No, I just didn't read the story. Oh, you, oh, you s- just send me stuff because it's on the water. <laughs> it's a boat. Hey, this is on the water. It's a boat. She's got things that look like paddles. Let's talk about it. It's <laughs> rowing. It's rowing, Derek. I probably saw it halfway through the week. I blame this on Derek for all you people <laughs> out there that are purists. All you people that use a single blade with canoes, yeah. all you people <laughs> that 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 raise the argument rowing is not paddling. Yeah. So I saw this, this is Derek's fault. <laughs> I saw this midweek when I was at Sandbags, and it just I I remember so many shows where you where you're looking for something. You say, "Oh, what's it going to take to paddle around the world? I want a kayak around the world, uh, around the world, around the world, around the world." You, you've done it about three or four times yeah. now. It's like, oh. This sounds like Sean. By paddling. Here, Sean. Yeah, not rowing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, September 3rd, Ellen Falterman began rowing alone around the world. And her, I saw her boat, Mm -hmm. her rowboat. 
$60,000 for a used rowboat. And it looks like Cyril's It looks like Cyril's kayak, but bigger. But beefier. Yeah. So right? it's, it's a rowboat instead of a kayak. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take her seven years to do, she says. That's crazy. Well, she's, she's not in it. She says, I'm not doing any speed records. You could probably walk around the world Is faster. doing it all in one go? No. She's going to have to stop over, you know, during hurricane season oh, okay, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's taken three years of planning and working two jobs to stay with enough money for it. Okay. Uh, it has cabins fore and aft, her boat does. Claims it can hold up to 12 months of food and she may need to sort some sort of storage during her long Pacific crossing. When the zombie apocalypse comes, I need to find this woman's boat. Right? <laughs> Uh, she doesn't have a tracker, or at least one, not a public one, she says. Yeah, it's private for safety right? reasons. For safety reasons. Family and friends can watch. She has a general route plan, but admits that it may change along the way. At the moment, she's key, uh, going to Key West. She's rowing from Texas to Key West along the northern um, shore of the uh, Gulf of Mexico. Then she's heading towards Cuba, which could be a bureaucratic yeah. hurdle. Uh, which will cause a potential route change because currently it is illegal for private American vessels to enter Cuban waters, although that may change in the near future. If not, she will reroute to Portugal. If she can go to Cuba, she's then going to continue through the Panama Cora- Canal. The Corral? <laughs> it is now known as the Panama Corral <laughs> until further notice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to head across the Pacific to the Marquesas Islands and Tahiti. So if she can't go to Cuba, she's going to go around the world east. Oh, okay. If she can go to Cuba, she's going to go west. Oh. Uh, she's going to go to America, Samoa, Thursday Island, Darwin, uh, Australia. From there, she's going to cross the Indian Ocean towards Mauritius and Duran, and then follows the African coastline to Cape Town there, she traverses her third ocean, the South Atlantic, after crossing to remote volcanic island St. Helena between West Africa and South America. She will trend north towards Barbados and then finally heading back towards Texas through the Gulf of Mexico. To count as a circumnavigation, she must start and end at the same point, cross all lines of longitude, and cross the equator. Hmm. She's not aiming for speed records, nor does she have the daily distance goals. She says, everything I will be doing depends on the water and the weather. I row about two and a half knots per hour on flat water. I can go about 20 miles a day. And along the way, she's going to have to stop to resupply, sit out hurricane seasons, avoid dangerous rowing conditions, Hmm. that sort of thing. So she figures, yeah, with all that sort of stuff, seven years. Yeah. Because, you know, what else are you going to do? But yeah, she's rowing. But we'll we'll give it to her on this one. That'll be cool to follow, though, to be able to do something like that. It would be, yeah, yeah. That's that's quite the challenge. That's uh, you got to be really committed to do, not just achieve this, but just getting ready for it. Like it's this is a lot of work. This is not, not this is not uh, it's nothing to sniff at. It's just like wow, this is mm-hmm. to do something on this level. But she even said, I mean, one of her big things is. Um, doing it to show that women can do this yes. stuff solo as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think she said only seven women have solo crossed the ocean. Okay. As opposed to 200 men. Yeah. 
So it's still a, a thing of, well, women can't really do this. It's, you're still in a they're, very they're, small club. Very you're small you're very small people. club. So she's yeah. doing this whole thing and, and going to circumnavigate uh, and just show, you know what, we can. there's no reason you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So, so where is she right? Where did she? They she started from Texas. Texas started from so Texas. she's heading towards uh, Florida. Right Florida now. down this. So she, she missed the, the hurricane that was going mm-hmm. on. Uh, and then we'll head down the western side of Florida and then down to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the storm missed her. I don't think she missed the storm. Six of one half down the other. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you don't agree with this story being paddle-related, blame Derek. <laughs> that's, our, that's our legal line. Make <laughs> <laughs> ours heartburn. Ours, paddles, heartburn, whatever. Heartburn, diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking at a lot of photos. Like, unfortunately, it's it's been a it's quite the mess in Florida right now with Hurricane Ian. It's there's a lot of damage, a lot of devastation. But it's you see a lot of people are like they're fishing on streets, they're paddling on streets, mm-hmm. and there's just so much water moved inland. It's it's just insane. I'm telling you right now. Outside my house, yeah. if it flooded to about three feet, <laughs> I'd be opening my garage. And my garage, my house is higher than our street, right? Yeah, yeah. And our garage slopes. So it's yeah. a great like skateboard yeah. until traffic comes. Uh, I would be taking my canoe down and I would be out on Absolutely. my street. Yeah. You know? I mean, we've had winter storms and I'm out in front of the house and at work with snowshoes on. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, what are you doing? What's wrong with that? Well, what? You know, <laughs> yeah, what? what? I'm going to go check my mail. <laughs> so, but yeah, I would, I would have a boat in front of my house yeah. and on my street so fast. Oh, absolutely. Make your spin. Yeah. Like when those big floods happened downtown Toronto, mm-hmm. I would have been that guy you saw in the news. <laughs> well, not everybody's uh, worried about this weather. There's this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'd be that guy. <laughs> that would be so cool. But yeah, just to see is like, you know, it, it's unfortunately it's at the backdrop of, of uh, devastation from Hurricane Ian, but mm-hmm. it is neat to see people paddling the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Very unique. It's like, it's, it's like growing up in wintertime back in New Brunswick. It's, uh, we, we'd, uh, in the wintertime when there's a, a lot of snow, we'd be up and down the roads. And, and I remember the bus couldn't do the road one time. And, and one of my neighbors came and was ferrying kids from the bus down the road to get them all home. <laughs> one of the one of the Air Force bases we lived on had big deep ditches. Oh, okay, and they would flood, and they were they had to be at least five feet deep. Oh yeah, well, so you'd see people out there with their aluminum boats <laughs> testing their their boat motors every yeah. spring, right? They'd start them <laughs> up and just idle them. Yeah, right. Do a little bit of a reverse, yeah, then yeah. a little bit of a forward because I mean they weren't massively, you know, yeah. Or, maybe 20 feet long ditches, right, mm-hmm. in front of your house. But, yeah, they would get out there and boom, start yeah. up the motors and make sure they're all running properly and everything was working well. And, and then they'd go in reverse and they'd go forward and then, yeah. Down where Mike Burns lives, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of crops and stuff, but uh, the, the, all the roads have really, really deep ditches. And uh, Mike was telling me, like, there's a race he used to do 10, 15, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And so he said a lot of that was through these deep spring ditches. Mm-hmm. And he also said that, uh, like, the lake is a long ways away, but he saw migrating. Occasionally, it was, didn't happen a lot, apparently, but uh, he sometimes saw my, uh, fish, spawning fish spawning through up. the ditch, going up through the ditch. Isn't that the one that the trophy was a toilet seat or something? Yeah, the trophy was a toilet that, seat. Doesn't he got yeah. a couple of those? Yeah, Did he, he win a couple? Yeah, he still has it. He won it so many times, and then the race stopped, and he was the last winner, so he still has he the He still trophy. has the toilet seat. Yeah. The golden toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, talking about Australia. That's not a segue. We weren't talking about Australia. Well, I guess we, we did were. mention Australia. She's going by Australia. Yes, she is. She, yeah, yeah. Darwin, Australia. Yeah. There we go. Speaking of Australia. Speaking of Australia, which we are now, <laughs> there's a gentleman in Adelaide, Andy Burnell. He's a marine enthusiast, and he uh, likes kayak fishing. And he has a YouTube channel, crab.e.cam on YouTube. That he posts videos of his um, little escapades out on the water. Because what Andy likes to do is drop a GoPro underneath his kayak while he's out there. So it's a GoPro strapped to the bottom of the kayak. He just yeah, No, I think it hangs down like a number of feet. Okay. Like off of a stick or off of a rope, like six or feet just or something. from flopping and... I don't know. I I, that's what I'm thinking. It's got to be... Strapped to the bottom of the kayak and... He just says he drops a GoPro off his kayak. Mm-hmm. Cool. To get a glimpse into the underwater world. So I'm thinking he's probably got a stick mounted or something. Yeah, something. So he headed out about one and a half kilometers offshore, dropped a line, paddled around for about a half an hour. And when he gets home, he sits on his couch, he downloads all the GoPro footage onto his laptop and takes a peek at it. He downloaded the footage to my computer and was just skimming through it quickly. And then I was like, whoa, what's that? <laughs> For at least 10 minutes, a juvenile great white shark was right under my kayak, just following the camera along. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, it was just luck, but it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like I say, he shares he shares highlights on his crab dot e dot cam crabby cam crabby cam yeah uh, on YouTube um, describes them as bits of theater just a minute or two long little bits of drama the uh, Southern Australian Department of Environment and Weather spokesperson said the shark which is between 150 centimeters to 200 centimeters long was most likely a really really young great white. With her size and distinctive markings, including a large injury on her right fin, it looked like she had a big bite mark. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Burnell believed it could have been the first time she was sighted. Says, I'm hoping I can name her and she'll go into the Fox Shark Research Foundation database. Then in a few years time when she's really big and she shows up at Neptune Island, uh, that I can hear about it. Cool. Says a mind-blowing encounter with a timely reminder to beachgoers that we share our waters with other animals, but said it would not keep him out of the ocean. We've heard that before about people saying, oh, there was a big shark, swam right on by, but yeah, didn't bother me, so I'm going to keep on going. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I, I, it would, <clears throat> I think it would freak me out a little bit, but like I've seen videos of people that are kayaking and and like a, an orca or killer whale would like glide by on its side looking, looking up so you can see it go by and you see the eyeball tracking you as it as it glides by. It's Are like, you eyeballing me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if you went in the backwoods and saw a bear. From a distance, I'd be fine. <laughs> but I mean, even if it, if it came up, you know, yeah. like came up, took a peek and then kept on going. Mm-hmm. Didn't bother you. Just saw, ooh, there's a dude there. I'm yeah. out of here. Wouldn't stop you from going. Mm-hmm. As far as no, no, of course not. Yeah. No. But if the bear took a bite out of you. Or your goat, <laughs> your pack goat. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, he says, it wasn't a scary or dangerous thing. It was just awesome. She was right near my kayak for 10 minutes, but she never did anything to upset me. All she was doing was being curious about the camera. They're there all the time. You just don't usually see them. There were 155 shark sightings in metropolitan South Australian beaches between October 21st, or sorry, October 2021 and January 2022. Surf Life Saving South Australia said the beaches remained safe for swimmers and the risk of being bitten was low. Mm-hmm. Cool, though. I mean, definitely yeah. would be cool. Oh, absolutely. Really yeah. cool, right? But uh, I think he, if he knew it was there, he would have probably had a different reaction. Absolutely. But yeah. if you don't know it's there. Because in the now, you see something in the now. If it's something that's like, and I've seen a few... Like you see these occasionally you come up because so many people wear GoPros now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can think of a few videos. One, there's a girl, she's in the mountain, she's doing some some backcountry skiing. And so she's leaving at the top of the mountain. She's in just fresh powder and she's kind of swooping down. Oh, is that the snowboarder? Yeah. Yeah. So she's just kind of swooping down the hill and she's oblivious. She can see she, she's humming and bopping along to a, a song. So she's got earbuds in. So she's singing to herself as she goes down. She's having a blast. But in the background, you can see a grizzly or a black bear just tromping down the snow, trying to catch up to her. Mm-hmm. And she's just oblivious. Oblivious. She doesn't even know about it till after. And <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> had no idea that bear was after me. So yeah, if, just think if she had like accidentally wiped out. It would have been a totally different video. Yeah, because they'd be ah. going, okay, this is how she got eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so. We have the video, but we we now I can assume where she is. So you never know what's out there. Yeah. All those alligators and crocodiles yeah. and when, when, sharks and <laughs> when we, Sasquatches. When you find this random GoPro in the woods, it's like, hmm, yeah. brace yourself before you watch the video. Grab, grab, the, grab the GoPro and don't hang around. <laughs> yes. If you're in the woods... <laughs> <laughs> Chances are it's yeah. there for a reason. Um, what's next? Oh, 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 oh. So if you Google, Google, mm-hmm. boats falling off of cars. Mm. There's a lot of them over the years. You, yeah, you hear about it. Every year yeah. you hear some little story some, some, from some corner of the world. Somebody's so, not tying their stuff down properly. One person died in a wreck that closed US 1 southbound in North Carolina for more than two hours. Wreck happened when a car was hauling a trailer of kayaks. Some of the kayaks came loose from the trailer, fell into the road. Motorcyclists right behind the trailer swerved to avoid the kayaks, crashed into the guardrail and died. Hmm. In Virginia this summer, canoe came loose and flew off the roof of a truck causing a three-vehicle crash back in July. The car behind him happened to be a police vehicle. Uh, Three-car accident. Just a reminder. Yes. I mean, for up here, we're entering hard water season soon, but there are still people. Um, But if you are still in canoe season, when you're transporting your watercraft on top of your vehicle, make sure you're tying it down properly. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're unsure, ask someone, If you, especially, I mean, there's so many new people over the last couple of years that, you know, I hope that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ton of resources online. Uh, ask an outfitter or a canoe retailer. When we bought our very first canoe, the guy said, no, here's how you want to tie it on. Mm-hmm. Right? They had no problems telling us, yeah. here's so how, you, how do you do it. it. 
Uh, personally, I'm paranoid about losing one of my canoes or yeah. kayaks or anything off, partly because they're expensive. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, it cost me a pretty penny to fix or replace, and partly because of the damage it can do to the vehicles behind you. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm driving a truck, and I find there's a lot of people that tailgate me, uh, and if all of a sudden, boom, my kayak or canoe's flying off, hmm. they've got nowhere to go. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's in their car yeah. before they can blink. So I, I'm really paranoid about that. I have not lost a boat yet, knock on wood. Um, I have had one tie-down strap pop. Oh, yeah. But my personal choice for tying down my boats, front strap, back strap, and a belly strap. So one right over the top of the vehicle. Yeah. Because I had that belly strap, my canoe didn't move. Yeah. But if I not had that, that front end would have lifted straight up. The back end should have, would have been tied. <laughs> you know. Uh, overkill to have the three, maybe you use four. I use four. You use four. So I belly stra- I use two belly straps. So the, for the so there's two crossbars on the roof on on roof racks. Mm-hmm. So I have a belly strap that uh, goes over the front crossbar, a belly strap that goes over the back. So that there each of the each of the belly straps is going across the skinny part of the boat. So the boat doesn't want to go fore or aft because it's got the fat part of the canoe between the straps. Yeah. And then I have a uh, a nose line that uh, I I have these under hood. Canvas, you know, they're they're yep, climbing the straps, yeah. climbing straps. Yeah, the ho- loops. Yeah, so I have one of those on each side of my hood. So I have a V, uh, a V in the front. So I don't like the lines in front of my eyes. It yeah. distracts me. And then I have a single line that goes to the trailer hitch of my vehicle and in the very back. So there's four, basically four. I, I guess you could say five lines, but the front strap is just a V. It's one line. Now, see, I have the. I just put one roof rack on. Mm-hmm. With the be- so the belly straps on that, I tie it down because I got the same loops underneath my yep. hood. The back I have one of those uh, Yakima go- uh, goalposts yep. that come up from my trailer hitch. Mm-hmm. So I actually it tie goes, it on to the, the to that that post, yep. and then it also goes down to um, trailer the hitch. trailer hitch, yep. right? So that back end is tied down. It's solid. Yeah, it's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just a paranoid thing too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the last thing you want is like, is you're kind of 50, 50 is like, I don't want to lose the canoe, but I also don't want to hurt anybody. I remember years of, I I don't even know if Tracy and I were married at that point. Coming down highway 12 from up North or going up highway 12 on weekends in the summer is like bumper to bumper. Mm Mm-hmm. And you see these people that are out and zipping up and passing and really stupid maneuvers, last second getting in before, you know, and you hear cars hammering their horn because they're almost causing massive accidents. Yeah. And this guy with a, you can see him in the back coming up every so often, out, pull, pass about five cars, get back in last second, slowly making his way up. And he had a uh, windsurf board on. Oh, yeah. And he passed us. And the next time he pulled out and gunned it, mm-hmm. whew, there went his surfboard. Oh, yeah. Hit a car, exploded. Oh. Car weaved everywhere. We thought there was going to be a massive accident. Kudos to that guy whose car was hit because mm-hmm. he kept that thing on the road. Yeah. Uh, there was enough space that the cars coming our way on the other lane had time to stop. Yeah. Um, this guy ended up pulling on the ditch on the wrong side. Hmm. The guy who owned 
the board. Oh, okay. I got to think he got charged big time. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, that was, it, it, that, that thing just exploded when he hit that car. Mm-hmm. But like, that's my, my big, I mean, not doing something stupid like that, but just yeah. boom, like I say, something popping. And, yeah. You know, like I'm, I feel, I, I'm super confident anything happened, but I'm super confident with the way I tie my canoes. Yeah. But I don't tie other people's canoes. Neither do I. It's I'll like, put it on the I'll yep. put it on the car for them. I'll lay out the and straps there you and go. help them you out that it. way. But it's like you the final tie is your job. This yep. is your canoe, your vehicle. I don't want to be I'll be responsible for your own canoe and, and if I'm tying a canoe down, it's like, no, I'm okay, don't need no help. I'm good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll do my own canoe I'm myself. The exact same yeah. way. I'm mean, the exact same way. Because so. it's just a, I don't know, it's it's just one of those things. It's like I'm I'm not tying your canoe. Yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just I, I don't consider it a liability thing. I just think yeah. You have your way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. I have my way of doing yeah. it. And they may not be the same. Yeah. You know, but Yeah, so if you have two straps tied one way, Derek's way, and one strap tied Sean's way and and they're not compatible, one gives one way and one gives it's like yeah, it's Yeah. And if you were to tie one of my straps, mm-hmm. I'm going to go check it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like this. I'm taking it apart. It's not that I don't trust you, but yeah. I don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> I have tied other help people tie on canoes before, but it's just like, yeah. they did ask me to do it, so uh, fine, I'll do it. But I don't like it. But I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I'll do it. But yeah. I'll rise, but I'm not going to shine. <laughs> so if you are still uh, in the middle of paddling season, please take that extra time and yeah. make sure things are... Uh, you know, you, yeah. you you don't want to uh, end your trip yeah. early and you don't want to end up somebody else's trip early either. Use a proper strap. Don't use yeah. like bailing twine or, hey, I got this uh, this garbage twine at the at Canadian Tire. That yeah, the Dollarama. Yeah. yeah. I think it's got 20 pounds breaking strength. Speaking <laughs> of Dollarama. Uh-oh. <laughs> I have decided I have got this mental deficiency, for lack of a better term, when it comes to Dollarama. Yeah. I can go anywhere in the world. First thing I do, got got my wallet. Mm-hmm. When I am going to Dollarama, you always forget your wallet. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what. I went to Walmart on the first thing. I got up the first thing because we did the bar. We did the the um, smoking, smoking yeah. this weekend, yeah. right? So I got the. I had to get up early, get the smoker going. I got to make a quick run to to Walmart, grab my wallet. Off I went, got what I needed, came home. Yeah, they didn't have this. Oh, Dollarama might have it. Headed over to Dollarama. Oh, they got it. Grabbed it. Went to the checkout. No wallet. (laughs) If I've been to Dollarama 20 times in the last year, I forgot my wallet 19 times. (laughs) Dollarama is the only place I go where I forget my wallet. (laughs) I have never forgotten my wallet anywhere else unless I'm going to Dollarama. To the point where if Ariana and I are going to Dollarama, she'll look... Do you have your wallet? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's been a couple of times where we've gone, I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding. And she goes, I'm thinking you're doing this just so that I can pay. <laughs> Maybe. I have this deficiency when it comes to dollar yeah. I know the prices are low, but it's not free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a price point thing. I don't yeah. know what yeah. it is. But anyway, so just, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I even thinking about I was thinking about the weekend. So yeah, yeah. so uh, make sure your your stuff is tied on tight. Yes. Don't use Dollarama string. Dollarama string. That's it. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, last thing I've got here. It is end of season here, pretty much. Yes. Uh, ice will be forming soon. A lot of people are- Hard water season. Are, yeah, hard water season. A lot of people are packing away the canoes, kayaks, stand-up paddle boards, rafts, etc., etc., etc. Just a reminder as we prayer, prepare for this uh, season, it is a time of the year where people decide they're going to need a new boat for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe paddling was not as great as they thought it would be, and they're looking to maybe sell off and get a couple bucks for that big expensive boat that they bought. Yep. So if you check out Kijiji, now and spring are the two big times of year where you're going to see a lot of People boats. start offloading stuff. Yeah. As well as the big outfitters. The big outfitters are like... 2022 season stuff has to go because they're bringing in their winter stuff. They need room on the shelves mm-hmm. and they'll bring in all new stuff in the spring. And they're also changing over some of their fleet boats. Yes. The rental yep. fleet. Yes. So, so you might be saying, ah, you know yep. what? We're going to get rid of these three boats and mm-hmm. have them up. Yeah, they're, they've been beaten, battered. But if you're looking for a cheap yep. entry level. So they can have a refresh on their uh, rental fleet. Yeah. And so I know that, uh, so I don't know if uh, Opiongo or... Whatever outfitters have their sales on, but I did notice that Frontenac has a uh, storage house uh, or a warehouse sale going on right now. So yep. they're they're clearing out all of their 2022 stock. I so know Novacraft has a uh, second sale oh, yeah, going yeah. on right now. I saw now. that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they may be just little dings or something. Yeah, and they said for little... the most part, their seconds is just it just doesn't meet the grade for for uh, just common sales, uh, mm-hmm. but it will meet the grade. Just you know, it it's may not a, be a hundred percent perfect, but it's, it's ninety eight percent. Yeah, some weird thing with the gel coat. Some weird this. I mean, yeah. they, they're they're hundred percent boats, but they just got some weird cosmetic issue. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed on Kijiji, not all the canoes and kayaks and that are exorbitant prices like they were last oh, year. Oh, starting to come down? Everything's starting to come down now because Yay. people just aren't going to pay those prices. Yeah, I, uh, I'm still canoeless. We're still renting when we go because, uh, we just need a bigger one. I, I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to go and spend new prices on a used canoe. Yeah. And no, I, I don't yeah. blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, and again, yeah, check out some of them, uh, some of the uh, outfitters and that, and uh, get some, maybe pick yourself up a new-to-you canoe mm-hmm. or kayak, stand-up paddleboard, raft, if you want to do the rafting thing. <laughs> hey, is your, ki- is your kayak still in uh, storage? It is. I haven't had a chance. It's uh, I think it's you buried. need to get it out. I do. I do. It's buried in behind. Use it this winter. My, I still have couches in storage, and really, I oh, and I gotta figure out what storage unit my winter shovels, my snow shovels are in. Oh, we already said, dear, forget that. Get yourself new ones because <laughs> you said they were cracked and caused problems. They were something. worn down and stuff. Yeah, and, come and, on, new house, new shovels. <laughs> come on, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's all I got this week. Yeah, that's all I got. How'd you like your, your smoked burnt ends there? That was really good. I'm mm-hmm. going to do those again. Smoked burnt ends, so, just pork so belly, just pork smoked belly, eh? for four hours. Yeah. Well, four and a half hours. Apricot, uh, Traeger apricot sauce. We got ourselves a nice pellet. It was very yummy. Traeger and it was so good. I never eaten so much pork fat and enjoyed it before. Oh, trust me. It is good. Yeah. Really big, thick bacon. Yeah. Right, right, and, and you know, like pork, fatty pork is not normally that great, 
But when it's smoked and and the fats of what what is normally a bit of a gristly fat becomes just like uh, oh, it's like butter, like caramel. Yeah, so it's just like a melt in your mouth, chewy and oh, yeah, so good, so good. <laughs> yeah, and washing it down with some of this Roberta Blondar. Yes, yeah. beer, Roberta Blondar beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do so, you forget what's the name of the new? It's tilted glass. Tilted glass. Yeah, yeah. The tilted glass yeah. beer, Roberta Blondar. Yeah. So hey, uh, is this Scott Robinson is he? Uh, oh, his uh, Scott Robinson man camping. He's got his smoker. Uh, yeah, but truck up. Is he? But he's closed for the season. It is. Oh, that's yeah. what I was. He'll open what, again in April. That's what I was trying to ask, yeah. but I couldn't get a word in edgewise. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I was wondering if he closes for the winter. Yep. So this was this weekend was his last last weekend. Last weekend, yeah. I believe it was. I can't mean to go down, but it's a it's a two and a half three hour round trip for me, and yeah, it's two just over two for us. Yeah, so I'd have to I'd have to buy two meals, <laughs> one for there and one for the way back. Yeah, <laughs> or camp when you're up there. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> next summer, maybe I'll do a road trip next summer. I think we should all get together and go do a road trip. Yeah, just buy everything all at once. Just yeah, tick off all the rest. Make sure of we clients. get there early, so he still has. Oh some. yeah, some of this stuff sells out fast. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's sold out every. Because he only ran it for what about two months, maybe? I think month so. And yeah, a half, two months. Yeah, yeah. not a long time. Yeah, but he's just you got a feel for it. So yeah, he he was it's a trial summer. So next summer, I'm sure he's going to go full bore. Yeah, nothing like a good old barbecue mm-hmm. chip truck. Yeah, with no chips, just barbecue yeah. food. Talk about tying yourself down for work on the weekends, eh? But it's across the road from his house. <laughs> I know, but it's the like- point is, he's. He, he, it's not like, hey, it's a long weekend. I'm go camping. No, you, you got a business. Well, I think now. once he gets it going, he'll have people. He'll be able to have people to, okay, listen, I'm going I away this people. weekend. I'll take care of it. I got people. I'll call my peeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got anything else? No, I don't. I, well, I, what else I had was the Scott Robinson question. Oh. What's your question? <laughs> Scott with one T. Um, that's all I've got. So if you want to find more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio and either stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. And if you happen to see anybody solo canoeing with a goat next summer, it <laughs> might be me. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>